What is up, my FBO family? In this episode, which is episode six of Four Vaginas Only, we are really racking up the knowledge here, right? (laughs) We're going to be discussing longer acting forms of contraception, which is another name for birth control. So with that said, there's nothing left to do except for cue the music. Hello and welcome to Four Vaginas Only, the podcast about everything female. I'm your host, Dr. Celestine, bringing you important information about understanding your health and body in the way you wish your doctor would actually explain it. All right, so in the first birth control episode, we went through the birth control pills, the patch, the ring, and all of those things are technically considered more of like a short-term type of contraception. In this episode, we're going to be talking more about the longer-acting forms of contraception, the types that you don't have to think about taking every day or every one or two weeks. Um, they last a little bit longer. And some of them are even permanent. This is going to include the injection known as Depo-Provera, the intrauterine device, better known as the IUD, the implant, and also the permanent sterilization and vasectomy. Okay, so first let's talk about the injection that's used to prevent pregnancy. It's most commonly known as Depo-Provera. Now, like I mentioned in the previous episode, the typical risk is a risk of someone getting pregnant with a typical use of the medication, meaning sometimes they mess up, sometimes they miss a dose, and yada yada. So for the pill, the patch, the ring, it's about 9%, meaning 9 pregnancies per 100 women that use those medications in a year. For the Depo-Provera injection, it's a little less at 6%, meaning 6 out of 100 women that use this medication in a year, the first year, will get pregnant. And that's with typical use. If you follow the rules, get it exactly when you're supposed to get it, the risk is actually very, very close to zero. Let's talk about how you take Depo-Provera. So Depo-Provera is a shot. It's an injection that you get Um, Usually it's done in your doctor's office and it's only every three months. So that's four injections a year for something that will prevent pregnancy for the entire year that you're on it with only those four injections. So it's great. It's great for those that can't remember to take a pill every day or that don't want to use the patch or the ring. Um, It's a wonderful option. Also, the Depo-Provera is progesterone only. So similar to the progestin only pill, it does not contain estrogen. So same kind of risk benefit profile um, in terms of what I described in the first episode with the progestin only pill, which is great for those that can't be on any estrogen. The one downside of the Depo-Provera is the bone density and questionable fracture risk that can happen from use of this medication. So it's important to mention that the FDA actually issued a black box warning on Depo-Provera back in 2004. What this black box warning says is that 
If you use Depo-Provera for a prolonged period of time, which they indicate as more than two years, you might have significant bone loss or bone density loss, especially with the longer that you use it. And they say that the bone density loss may not be completely reversible even after you discontinue the medication. It also states that it's unknown whether if using Depo-Provera during the adolescent years or early adulthood, if that will decrease the peak bone mass that you can reach in your future. They mention that part because you build up the most amount of density of your bone during puberty. So if you're on this medication during puberty, it's saying that it's unknown whether or not you will build the amount of bone that you were always supposed to build if you had never taken this medication. Now look, yes, that is important to know, but there also there also are a lot of studies out there that state that the bone mineral density recovers, goes back to normal or very close to normal after you stop the use of this medication. And also if you weigh the risk of possible bone density decrease with the risk of pregnancy, unwanted pregnancy, and all of that, it's more beneficial to take the medication to prevent pregnancy than to be very concerned about the bone mineral density that will most likely recover. And it's because of this that actually the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, also known as ACOG, said a few things about this. They say the concerns regarding the effect of Depo-Provera on the bone mineral density and potential fracture risk should not prevent you from prescribing Depo-Provera or continuing it beyond two years. But it also states that adolescents should be counseled on other methods to prevent pregnancy and offer the option of initiating or transitioning to long-acting reversible contraceptive methods that have no effect on their bone mineral, mineral density, such as the IUD, and the implant, which is a perfect segue to our next topic. So first, let's talk about the intrauterine devices, or the IUDs, which, to be honest, guys, are my favorite form of birth control, in case anybody was interested. So the IUD has a few forms. Um, I feel like more and more forms of the IUD are coming out daily, but we're going to talk about the two main forms. One is the IUD that has levonogestrel in it, which is a big word. I was trying not to say it, but I said it anyway. (laughs) But basically, levonogestrel is a progestin, similar to the progestin pills we talked about and similar to the Depo-Provera that we just finished talking about. The other form of the IUD is a copper IUD, meaning that it literally has the metal copper on it, and that's how it prevents pregnancy. Now, before we get into the details, I want to talk about how effective they are at preventing pregnancy. So the progestin IUD is has a rate of 0.2% of people that get pregnant um, in the first year of taking it, while the copper has 0.8%, um, which basically means both of them have less than one pregnancy per 100 women that are using these devices in a year, which is fantastic. It's fabulous. I mean, it's very close to 
if you had a procedure that permanently stopped you from getting pregnant, like a vasectomy or a tubal ligation. So, I mean, what more could you want, right? Okay, so what is an IUD? An IUD is a small T-shaped, like the letter T-shaped device that is placed into the uterus and prevents pregnancy. Set it and forget it, basically. I would say the entire length of the device is probably about an inch in size. Don't quote me on that. It's very small. Um, It's put in in your doctor's office. Same position as the pap smear, vaginal exams, put the speculum in, put it through the cervix and into the uterus. Now, there's also little strings that will hang out of the cervix um, into the vagina that you can feel and check to see if your IUD is still in place. And it's just kind of a reassurance to make sure that your IUD is still where it's supposed to be and functioning properly. Now, the progestin-only IUD comes in many different formats these days. Um, A very common one is called the Mirena. There's also Lyletta, Skyla, and a few others that I really can't remember off the top of my head right now. But let's just talk about the Mirena. Each one of them that I've named and some that I didn't name, they are all for different lengths of time that you can use it for birth control. But to be more simplistic about it, I'm going to talk just about the Mirena IUD, which is an IUD that has progestin, which is a hormone, and it is used to prevent pregnancy for five years. Now, at any time you can take out the IUD and you can get pregnant, it is reversible. Um, But if you want to leave it in for the full five years, take it out, put another one in for another five years, you know, it's pretty much up to you what you want to do with it. The best thing about the IUD is that you don't have to think about it. It's not a pill you have to take every day or even an injection that you have to remember to come in for every three months. So that's why the unintended pregnancy rate with typical use is so much lower than the other form of birth controls that we've mentioned. Now, the downside of the Mirena IUD, a lot of people have unscheduled bleeding, which if you haven't realized now is a common complication with birth control, especially when you're starting a new birth control. So what I tell everybody is to give it some time. Even the exact numbers of what you read online of how long it should last might not necessarily be the case for you because everybody's body is a little bit different. So what I tell people is that the Mirena IUD can cause irregular bleeding for six months or even up to a year, which is probably not what you're going to find in the description in the actual box, but it is what I've seen with my patients. So that's what I tell them. The copper IUD, same size as the Mirena IUD, same way that you place it. But like I said, it has copper that prevents pregnancy. So it kind of irritates the uterine lining, and that's how it prevents that nice, cushy little space that the egg can't really function in, and that's how it prevents pregnancy, if that makes any sense to anybody. So that's how the two functions are a little bit different. With the copper IUD, though, I've noticed a lot more unscheduled bleeding for a longer period of time, and I would say you know, that, that that is kind of the difference between the two of them. But I have had people on both that love both. So it just depends on your body. But I would say if you are really young or if you know for sure that you don't want to get pregnant for at least nine to 10 years to try the copper IUD and see how it works for you. If you're on a shorter time frame, four years, five years, then possibly the Mirena is better for you. Or even one of the shorter term ones, like the three-year Skyla, for example. 
And yes, sometimes the stories you hear about the IUD can be true, but the complications with them are very, very minimal, as in the rate of them happening is minimal. So it can be expulsed, which is coming back out the way that you put it in, which can happen in 2 to 10% of people within the first year of placement. Also, there have been instances where perforation occurs, meaning that the IUD actually comes out of the uterus and into the abdomen. But that is one in every 1,000 times that it has been inserted into the uterus or even less. So yes, I've seen it, but I wouldn't let those horror stories, so to speak, um, stop you from getting the IUD because I think it's a great form of birth control, especially for the long term. So the implant, the implant is referred to by its brand name a lot of the times called Nexplanon. The implant is about the same size as the Mirena and it's placed into the fatty tissue of the arm, the upper arm, and it prevents pregnancy for three years. Now, it's the same thing as you have to go to your doctor's office to have it placed into your arm. You can feel it under the skin once it's placed. The placement is usually very painless. Um, we numb the arm with medication so that you don't really feel it. And, you know, it's okay. I think one of the main things that I see with the implant is that there's a lot of unscheduled bleeding. I would say more unscheduled and unexpected bleeding than the IUD. I don't think that that's what the package insert will say. And it's obviously not the case for every single person because I have people that love the implant as well. But it's definitely the most common reason why the Nexplanon implant is removed before its time has run out. So similar to the hormone IUDs, the implant is also progesterone only. So no estrogen in the implant as well. But unlike the Depo-Provera, these two progesterone only forms of contraception, the implant and the progesterone IUD, do not have any impact on your bone mineral density. Now, the good thing about IUDs is that they decrease the amount of bleeding and pain that you have with your periods while you're using the IUD. Although it should be known or mentioned at least that the copper IUD initially might have an increase in bleeding and cramping, but over time, the amount of bleeding and cramping actually do decrease similar to the progestin-only IUD. Now, um, a lot of patients that I have on the progestin-only IUD also go on to either have their regular period once a month, which is much lighter, or a lot having no periods at all, which both are you know normal things that can happen while on the IUD. Okay, and the last form of preventing pregnancy I'm going to discuss in this episode is permanent sterilization. Now, when I say sterilization, I mean either the man getting a vasectomy or the female getting their tubes tied or a tubal ligation. Now, these are permanent. They are not reversible, no matter what you might read on the internet. (laughs) And they're great at preventing pregnancy. For the vasectomy, 0.15% 
of women will get pregnant out of 100 in the first year after a vasectomy and 0.5 after a tubal ligation, which are not the lowest numbers on the board. What I forgot to mention, silly me, is that the implant, the Nexplanon, actually has the lowest rate of pregnancy even in typical use, because obviously typical use is just, it's in your arm and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) Now, its rate of pregnancy is 0.05%, which is, like I said, the lowest. So that's one of, you know, the great reasons to have the implant. But anyway, moving on to sterilization. So the tubal ligation is a procedure. It can either be done by an incision in the abdomen a larger incision or a laparoscopic incision with the small cameras, or it can be done through the cervix and into the uterus from below. So the risk of a tubal ligation coincide with the risk of any procedure or surgery. A lot of times you are asleep, so there's a risk of anesthesia and the general risk of surgery, including bleeding, infection, and all that. So you kind of have to decide if that risk is worth it for you. And if you do not want to have any more children at all, and you've decided that for sure, then I would say, you know, have a conversation about it with your doctor and make that decision. There's also the vasectomy as an option, which is actually safer than a tubal ligation because it's a less invasive procedure. No matter what your husband or boyfriend might say, I know they're usually always scared to get the vasectomy. You know, they want us to go through all of it, right? But anyway, (laughs) um, it's performed under just local anesthesia, meaning that they are awake for the procedure and they just get some local numbing medication to have the vasectomy done. You know, it's also very effective against preventing pregnancy. So I would say bring your husband in to talk about it with you also to the OBGYN's office or they can talk about it with their physician and you guys can make a decision on which procedure it is that you want to proceed with. I would say the most common thing that happens with the permanent sterilization is the risk of somebody regretting that they did it. That is, you know, it's a permanent procedure. So that risk is real um, and it does happen. And it's more common to happen if you get these procedures done when you're younger in age. So that's why I, I hear a lot of people saying that their doctor won't do it for them because they're such and such age and all of that, which, you know, it's because of that risk of you regretting it in the future. I know for me personally, if someone makes a case for themselves, really wants to get it done, you know, after I explain the risks and all the other alternatives that are equivalent even in preventing pregnancy, such as the IUDs, the implants, or even better, I will do the procedure if that's what if that's what you want. You know, it's your body. You make the decision. We talk about all the risks, alternatives, and benefits, and you get it done. But I know a lot of people have a hard time convincing their other doctors to do it, which is kind of understandable too, because if you are really young, that risk of regret is super real. Quickly, I'm going to mention a few other options that are out there for birth control. I am not going to delve deeply into them because they are least, they are the least effective. They are less effective than any of the other methods that I mentioned in terms of protecting against pregnancy. Um, so here we go. There, the first one is the diaphragm. 
You have to put it in your vagina around your cervix using spermicide each time you have sex. There's also the female condom, the withdrawal method, the sponge, the calendar-based method, all of which, like I mentioned, are less effective in pregnancy or in preventing pregnancy. I don't normally advise that people use these, but if they come in wanting to use them or have questions about them, then I'm all ears and we can have a full discussion about it. And if it's for you, it's for you. But like I said, they're less effective and I don't like to recommend them in terms of preventing if somebody comes in and wants to talk about ways to prevent pregnancy. So that is it for this episode. We talked about the implant, the IUDs, the vasectomy, the tubal ligation. I mean, there's so much more I could say about all of these things. And I'll probably write more about it on my blog, fvonly.com, if you go under the blog post that coincides with this episode. But um, that's all I really wanted to squeeze into the episode on my podcast today. So if you guys obviously have any more questions, you can always email me at drc at fvonly.com. I also have an Instagram page and a Facebook page under the name For Vaginas Only. And you can go to my blog and comment as well. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and make some comments on this podcast. I appreciate you all so very much, and I'll see you next time.